Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Hello, good morning. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ajna. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. The autumn equinox just happened on the 22nd, which was a little while ago, but it is now Libra season. Can you believe that? It's about time. Yeah, Libra season. Ready. Yeah, it's my birthday month. Hey, my solar return's coming. Sun has left, just left Virgo, just pulled up on our street, and uh, guess what? It's blasting those 528 hertz love frequencies through its uh, galactic Harman Kardon subwoofers, and I'm feeling the love. Are you feeling the love? I'm always feeling the love. You know, the one thing that I really love about Halloween is it's that one time of the year where you get to wear multiple costumes to one location and take advantage of the candy. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love candy, though. I have a sweet tooth, so yeah. It's that one part of the year where you can kind of look death in the face and be like, hey, motherfucker, I see you. You can be like, I I am life and I am death. You know what I mean? And you can kind of turn and give Kelly a high five with your... Pirates of the Caribbean Halloween costume on. My skills are looking for balance with the weather, though, Jen. I feel like uh, one minute I'm doing these Wim Hof breathing exercises in the cold, and another I'm stepping outside, and I feel like I'm going to catch on fire. It just keeps going back and forth. Yeah. Hot yeah, and cold. Yeah, the weather's been crazy lately. Yeah. California, I love you, but we all need to trade in our gas-powered vehicles for a Tesla so we can get the show on the road, you know? And you know what? September 27th, Mercury Retrograde. If anybody, everybody's listening, you guys are probably amongst the craziness right now because Mercury Retrograde just started on the 27th. Well, we've been talking about it a lot, and... I- Actually, I was listening to my husband, who's not like super spiritual, explain it to his buddies what Mercury retrograde actually is. And he was like, you know, so it's pretty much like when Earth is having her period. And I died laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's a hilarious explanation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jeremy's on to something there. So if anybody, <laughs> you guys are probably familiar with Mercury Retrograde. Miscommunications in our love life are extra likely during this time. We should expect the unresolved drama in our interpersonal relationships will come back around for review. Try to balance your perspective and look at issues from all sides before making any final decisions because Mercury Retrograde has a tendency to skew our ability to think logically. And uh, we're sort of mercurial. We have a mercurial nature, so we got to be extra careful in the things that we say. Okay, so... What we're going to do, we're going to ground ourselves a little bit, Jen. We're both air signs, so if we don't stop now, we're going to drift away into the ether of Halloween candy and pumpkin-scented candles. Pumpkin spice everything. Pumpkin spice everything. So we have a guest today, Jen. These are always the best episodes. Yeah, I love it when we have a guest. I'm really excited about this guest today. Oh, I know. And guess what? We have this sort of synchronistic pattern going on. The last guest that we have, or we had, was from British Columbia. And guess what? This this guest is from British Columbia as well. I don't know what it is. They just seem to be really cool people down there. And uh, there's actually a couple things that I saw about <laughs> about British Columbia. You know what? They have renewable energy over there. Instead of relying firmly on gas and oil for energy, I guess PC Hydro provides clean energy to the majority of the province leading the way for Canada and the world and finding ways to combat climate change. And according to these stats that I'm looking at, it says it's the healthiest province in Canada. And in the most important thing that I noticed is they get to catch the northern lights over there every once in a while. Can you believe yeah. that shit? Yes. When I was Wonder. there um, on vacation, I was like, oh, please, please, I want to see the northern lights. It didn't happen. but Really? I was hoping for it. They're so elusive. I want to ask her. I want to ask her if she's caught that because that, I imagine, a very surreal experience. So I'm going to go ahead and just introduce her. She is an emerging and representative force for female empowerment. 
She is a woman's coach, motivational speaker, and summit facilitator for her unique and special brand of wellness she so eloquently calls Conscious Queendom. It is a program devotionally dedicated to illuminating the sacred feminine and healing the sisterhood wound. She has dedicated her life to awakening the divine feminine and helping them embody their deepest truth and radiant light. On top of that, she's an energy worker, channeler, and psychic. So she does all the things, Jen. She does all, and she does hair. And she and she does hair. There's another <laughs> gift that she has. Everybody, let's welcome Grace Ohm to the show. How are you doing, Grace? <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for that beautiful introduction. Oh yeah, no, you're very welcome. It's awesome you get a little sound bath whenever you say your name. When you introduce yourself, do you ever say Grace Ohm? <laughs> you know, it's a name that my partner and I gave ourselves. Um, oh yeah. We, uh, we come from, I don't know, I guess an idea that, you know, if we're going to create our own family unit, then we should give ourselves our own name. And Absolutely. so we're going to legally change it to Ohm, too. Oh, really? Yeah. How cool That's is awesome. that? What a great idea. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like, you know, taking on a, another, I mean, and I, I believe in that too. Names have power. I don't know. It feels like, well, we're a part of something new and we're creating something new. So let's do it our way. Let's not take your name or my name and let's make our own. Yeah. And that totally makes sense. And we talk a lot about this on the podcast about, you know, we go through dark night of the soul experiences and we die, live and die multiple times within the same life. And this kind of reminds me of uh, a lot of like the Hindu spiritual sort of mystery schools and teachings, which is, you know, after you're sitting at the feet of the master for a substantial period of time, the guru gives you a name and it's almost like a walk-in. A different you is sort of awakened from the inside Mm. and they usually give them a really cool name. Grace Ohm happens to be yours and it fits really well. It's really well. So where are you at in the world? I know you're in British Columbia, but is there a city? I'm in Kelowna right now. I've been living quite a transient life, but I'm here for right now for the next two weeks. Transient, transient so you travel life. a lot. <laughs> travel a lot, yeah. You're like your own little nomadic tribe. Are you going to be heading anywhere um, pretty soon? Yeah, I'm headed to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico next. Oh, wow. How long were you in Canada for? Oh, I've been here my whole life. Um, I was called to abruptly leave last year. I heard the call. It took me to Mexico for three months and then Costa Rica and then Los Angeles, actually, and then back. And I didn't know why I had to come back, but I realized I had to, um, well, tie up loose ends in a way, energetic loops, and then also um, recruit. (laughs) Yeah. My tribe. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So so what's your plan for Mexico? The plan is is open right now. You know, it's interesting when your spirit tells you that I think I have to go to this place and I don't know why and it's not logical. There isn't a plan that I can necessarily follow other than the one that I'm led to. Right now the call is that I have to create women's circles there as well, do the energetic circles there, um, and then also host our summits there as well. So there's yeah, something so. going on there. There's I heard recently that down into Argentina in in, in Chile is where the new Tibet will be. Oh, wow. Something about the Kundalini is now moving there. And so for the next 7,000 years, it will be placed there. So there's a big call for people to move to the Latin Americas right now. Wow. Very That's exactly where you're being called to go. And we'll, we'll definitely want to go into that. But you have a, a really complex, very divinely inspired sort of work and when it comes to your Instagram. And we follow a lot of the stuff that you post on there. You're really, really into divine feminine empowerment. And you have a program called Conscious Queendom. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, kind of what the basis of it, what is it that you do within this program? And just to get your, a, a vibe for what it is that you consider the divine feminine. Like, what does it mean to embody your divine feminine self? So you can talk about Conscious Queendom a little bit. I'd love to. 
So um, this is something that was I was called to create last January. The call was that there's a certain sort of steps that we need to follow in order to energetically release ourselves from our past wounds. Because we're multidimensional beings, we still reside in certain spaces where we hold our pain. So if we're triggered, we're going to experience that exact time and space over and over again until we can acknowledge it with love. So in my experience of having thousands of women in my chair, this was created based on understanding you know, what women go through and how they feel and how they're afraid of each other. And so I thought, in my life, I've been very afraid of women. And I thought, you know, our mess is our message as well. My partner says that, and I was like, my mess is my message. And my mess and my relationships with women has been difficult but I also feel this draw and this sort of like what is that edge and I think that it's universal and so conscious queendom is designed around understanding our inner child and working with the little girl within us who ultimately has the the key the key for everything to our enjoyment our joy our creation and so understanding our inner child we can also understand how our darkness was cultivated and so we understand our shadow within us and where it came from and where it was birthed so that we can start you know turning on the flashlight to the dark parts and loving those parts while holding the inner child close to us and so when we understand that we can go into the archetypes we can understand what that's about and we can sort of create a devotion to ourselves and then we go into understanding our vaginas <laughs> and sort of maybe the energetic holdbacks that we have that are beyond even our life time in our bodies right now and how we are conditioned to be ashamed of ourselves and so then we go into you know with understanding our past and gaining clarity of what we can sort of create again in our life that worked for us in our past and also shedding light on what didn't work for us and what energies we were holding on to then we can sort of create a timeline for our future as well as understanding or creating a sisterhood within it so the goal is we go through this journey together, but then we come together with all the women that have joined Conscious Queendom and I bring them together. So hopefully that explains it well. It does. That's very beautiful. Yeah. And you mentioned in your work, you talk a lot about the sisterhood wound and you, you were talking about that you had some fear around your communication and your involvement with other women. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Why was it that you were afraid of women? Uh, during the time in which maybe prior to the conscious queendom thing. And the reason why I ask is because this is, rings very, very close to me, but on the opposite side of the spectrum, because I'm a male and I've always had difficulty growing up with men, like mm. communicating with other men. And over time through, you know, my spiritual work and men's groups, I can see, you know, how integral and how important it is to have these men's group in order to heal our wounds as well. So can you talk about a lot of the fears that you had and what fears women typically have when they interface with each other? Mm. So, I mean, it, it all starts with, you know, having a little bit of anxiety, knowing that you're going to go see your friend, but she's got 10 other, 10 other women that are going to be there. And there's a little fleck of anxiety there. And I think that most women would feel like, oh, I hope it's going to be okay. Like, you know, I hope uh, that I'm, my energy is accepted. And I think that the root of it for me started with the perception that my masculine my father was taken away from me from my stepmother so i viewed that as that was my masculine that was the first masculine i knew and my stepmother took him from me 
And so I kind of had that in me where I was afraid of another feminine taking my masculine away from me. So getting well acquainted with that space in me, that inner child that's sitting on the couch, seeing my dad kiss my stepmom and feeling gutted and wounded and sitting with her and saying, you're never alone. You know, your dad didn't go anywhere. It's okay. So creating space in that regard, um, but also becoming aware of my own bullshit. So sitting across from a woman that maybe embodies everything I thought I should be. You know, maybe she's got blonde hair and she's she's perfect and she's she's just everything that I have always desired or in a way that I wish I looked like. And so feeling threatened by that and then going, well, why am I threatened by that? Why can't I honor that? And so realizing that maybe she was embodying sort of the energy that I know I'm capable of, but I'm not honoring within myself. So I had a client, um, she's in her 50s. And she said, I, I asked her a few questions. I wanted to gauge where she was at with female relationships. And I said, so you haven't been working out. You haven't been honoring the queen within you lately. And we know that. That's okay. We all fall out sometimes. And I said, so another woman walks into a room. She's your age. She looks good. I said, what's your first thought? She said, bitch. And I said, she was like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. And I said, no, you're not. I said, that's okay. That's what we think. And we need to understand why we think that. Maybe it's, oh, I'm not as good as her, or she's probably a bitch, or whatever. And we have these assumptions of each other, and assumptions that we're not liked, and we're not going to be accepted. And understanding the sisterhood wound, it's like, okay, if I stand in more and more as the woman I want to be around, number one, I will attract those women around me. But I need to become so aware of my bullshit, of my reasons and my whys and my insecurities. And when I see something in her that I'm not honoring in myself, do I shame her for it? Do I hold her up to that and say, you know what? Thank you for resembling what it is that I need to see in myself again. Yeah. So you all become like divine mirrors for each other. When you guys That's are living right. from that the place of authenticity, then you're always going to hold each other accountable to each other's behavior. I think this is a really, really important thing. And I think men's groups kind of do a good job of uh, facilitating this as well. And I think right now, especially is the perfect time to have these sort of dynamics kind of in the field because there's a lot of toxicity shared between male and females in terms of what you're talking about, competition and these sort of like um, hierarchies and structures that we've been sort of programmed to live by. As a female, maybe the patriarchy's definitely contributed to that sort of wound. So to kind of trace back a little bit, can you give us an idea of what life was like for you prior to your, I don't know if you would consider this an awakening, but I'm going to call it an awakening because it sounds like a very transformational sort of journey for you. Um, we're always curious about spiritual themes where, you know, you have one life and let's just say it's that 3D sort of matrix type of life. Mm -hmm. And then one day something happens, like the spirit from within wakes up and, and you have a very similar type of story. Can you talk a little bit about your journey from that point? Yeah. So my old life, the old paradigm in which where I reacted to everything and I didn't have space or an awareness, I was sort of living a life of day to day. Making money was my main priority and overworking myself was my main priority. As a child, I was quite tuned in. You know, we'd be sitting at like a family dinner or function and I'd look at my mom and be like, mom, why is Uncle Jay lying? She'd go, what do you mean? say, well, he's pretending to be happy, but he's not. So I was quite tuned in to people and, and sort of like, you know, how they're feeling. And then that turned off 
I had some sexual abuse when I was a little girl and uh, verbal and physical abuse from fathers. And I turned off. Grace left until one day. As a hairstylist, I got to work with many different people and lots of new clients and, new, and um, had new experiences with people. Um, and this particular experience woke something up in me. Uh, this woman walked in and I instantly felt really sad. And I had prior to that predicted discs or desks, sorry, and had felt them come in before. And so it was a similar feeling. And I thought, gosh, I hope my family is okay. And, and this is sort of going on. This is like the inner dialogue. And she comes in and she sits down. And I'm like, gosh, why am I feeling so sad? This is so weird. And so we talk and all I hear is, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. This repetitive voice. And I was like, so weird. I'm getting really hot. So I take off my jacket and we're talking about her hair and what we need to do. And so I keep hearing this repetitive. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. And she says, yeah, my daughter passed away. She was 15. And I just blurted it out. And I said, she didn't mean to do it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. And she said, well, yeah, she committed suicide. And then all of a sudden, she said, tell her I'm trying to get her attention. She's very abrasive. Tell her I'm trying to get her attention. It was like almost like she was shouting it. And I was like, uh, and then all of a sudden she showed me in a room where she's trying to get her mother's attention. And I said, she was a bit of a, a, a menace almost. And she was like, oh yeah. And I said, she's been trying to get your attention. And she says, last night my son was crying and I go into his room and all of a sudden all of his toys turned on at the same time in the middle of the night. I said, that's her. I said, she's, she's there. And now again, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't even really investigated any of this stuff before, but I just knew uh, it was a feeling. And so I reacted based on the feeling and the voices that I was hearing, the voice, which was my voice, but was repetitive until I would repeat it, it would stop. And then the next sort of message would come in. And so later that day, I canceled the rest of my day. I was like, I don't know what just happened. I just told this woman so many different things that, I, and, and how do I even have the right to speak of her daughter that just died? A couple months later, I have a dream. This girl, Mackenzie, comes to me. I'm at her house. And she drags me into her room. She said, this is where I am. This is where I did it. And I was like, Mackenzie, I don't know what you want me to do. I said, you need to go to the light. Again, I didn't have any reference or understanding. I just said, you need to go to the light. You need to leave me alone. <laughs> You're freaking me out. <laughs> and so it stopped. And that was the end of that spirit. And so it started to happen more and more where clients would come in. And I'd be like, ah, I think your mom's here. She she wants she's saying to smarten up, <laughs> and so it started to this started to happen more frequently. That was the beginning. That's a pretty cool service. You come to get, get your hair done, and also a, a mediumship <laughs> reading. That's pretty pretty cool. So how how were your clients responding to this? Did anyone get offended or upset with you, or was everybody pretty receptive? Yeah, I think because I had learned how to speak with people, um, I knew how to sort of give them these messages gently, but also with a, being assertive. So I didn't experience someone getting upset, actually, which is interesting to think about. But people, I think, started to sort of come to me because they would sort of hear about that. They'd hear about these sort of interactions that they would have or these feelings that they would have. So it was more so I think I would attract the clients that wanted that or they were ready for that. This is interesting uh, because Jen, um, and we talk about this a lot in the podcast, she has experienced uh, very similar type of situations that you have. And it's kind of inspired her to um, kind of embark on her journey into mediumship. But 
all her entire life, she just seems to have spirits just hanging out with her in all the spaces that she occupies. Right. Yeah. And we, there's actually a lot of par parallels in our life, too. I had a stepmother that took my dad away. Same thing. Um, yeah. It was just interesting. As you were talking, I was like, oh, wow, we have that in common, too. We have that in common, too. I have an Uncle Jay um, who was also what? very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, when, and when you said that you felt this energy from this girl or the, the, this person that had just passed away, how does that, and this is more of a psychic type of question because there's a lot of people that, that become interested in psychic work or mediumship and they all think of like, how does that information come through? Does it come through as a feeling? Does it come through as an image? Does it come through as a vibration? Uh, exactly how did that come through for you? So I'll get different sensations in my body. Sometimes I'll get really hot other times I'll just get tingling sensations over specific sides of my body. So it'll be interesting. I'll ask it, like, are you a man or a woman? And either the right side of my body will ting or the left side of my body will ting. And I'll know, like, okay. So they'll tell me through my body, but I'll hear them. So I won't hear a man's voice. I'll hear my voice. But it'll be a sort of an outside voice of, like, something I don't know. And so once I turn off my logical mind, then it can just stream through me a little bit easier. And then, yeah, I guess I, we become a channel of the message, which that's is always love. <laughs> which is always love. Yeah. yeah. That's the interesting thing about what you're saying is that um, the way that you're explaining feeling it is how I, um, I've read that people commonly experience when it comes to their, their sort of psychic channels. Because they think it's just going to be some voice from the outside that's in somebody else's audible voice. But it's being tr realistically transmuted through your own sort of experience. And a lot of people that, I, that I've read that are psychics and mediums, and Jen can probably validate this, it comes through your own voice. And you have to sort of like learn to interpret that, right? Mm, trust your yeah. voice. Yeah, and I don't re I'm not one of those people that receives um, actual images. I'll see something in my mind's eye. I won't see actually an actual picture, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. But it's interesting whenever you're doing a reading for someone um, and they're connected to it, they are sharing the sensations that you have. So like my scalp gets really tingly whenever I'm, I'm connected and um, the other person is feeling what you're feeling, which is crazy. It's kind right. of a, a cool phenomenon. So, uh, you know, for the non-believers, um, I think that that extra sensation helps them kind of connect. And as they're talking more, it just increases my ability. So as they're validating, um, saying like, yeah, yeah, this and that, and talking a little bit more, I'll get like a little bit more connected to the person that, that um, is visiting. Totally. So I want to I want to get an idea of how this impacted you. How how I imagine how old were you during that time when you um, were in the salon and that sort of transition started to take place? That you was twenty four. But but twenty four. So had you've always been a somewhat like a, a spiritual type of person, even as a child, and or was this one of those things where like you were just maybe riding on autopilot or and then what this experience just completely changed you? How did that look like? Well. I think that I always had a very deep awareness of my angels. Ever since I could remember, they're these very tall beings that are on four corners of me, and they surround me. And I would see them or feel them. And I could, when I was a kid, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, Jen, or Eric, uh, bed shakes. My bed would oh. shake. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, like violently, like, it, like you are um, in an earthquake. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's terrifying, yeah. actually. It is. Yeah. And you <laughs> the feel a presence. The first couple times it happened, I was terrified. Yeah. So 
I had an awareness of having those bed shakes and I would feel a sort of ominous presence even as a kid and I'd say I call in my team I don't know how I knew that but I know to call them in and I would feel them stand in one by one and that other energy would leave yeah I, I as a child I wasn't really aware of having a team and I wish I was um, because it happened quite a bit and specifically in um, in one house that we lived in and uh, that house like it happened nonstop and it not just to me but also to my mom and uh, so it was kind of a shared experience and we lived in Texas and there's no earthquakes in Texas so right. so it certainly wasn't that and then um, as a as an adult it happened to me a couple times in another like really haunted house that I lived in and um, that house uh, so sad it just had a lot of um, really sad energy and yeah. I moved I bought that house after it had been sitting for like three years and it was a young family that lived there before me and the mother passed away. So the father took the child and moved two streets over and actually married the child's teacher. So, um, and left that, that house empty. So it was empty for, I don't know, three or four years before I bought it. And uh, anytime you move into a house that's been empty with no like human presence in it, it becomes like squatter area of spirits. <laughs> and not all of them good, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not as privy to kind of how you guys receive it. I've always been sort of akin to astral projection. That's something that I've always had with me since I was a child. And I hear those, when you say shakes, what kind of comes up for me is that sort of like vibratory stage that most projectors feel when they approach the sort of intermediary realm between transitioning from your body outside of your body. So mm -hmm. a lot of that seems to sound like roaring waves or like uh, being on a, on a ship at sea where there's like a storm going on. You always hear these really loud roaring sounds mm -hmm. right before your body sort of, your spirit leaves your body and you enter mm -hmm. into the sort of fourth dimensional astral realm. So mm -hmm. it's interesting how all these sort of uh, psychic type of phenomenon have uh, very similar types of dynamic when you kind of go really deep into them. So considering that you awoke to this um, psychic uh, type of energy, is this like a situation where now you have to learn kind of to kind of turn it off? Are you like maybe doing the dishes in the kitchen and then there's, you know, some spirit trying to reach out to you? Not so much anymore. Not in that regard. It's more so when I'm with people. So people kind of bring in people with them. Yeah. Um, but more so I hear, first of all, I just have to say I was getting very emotional as I was started tapping into both of you. I'm like, oh, we've known each other many times. We work in the other, at the astral plane with each other a lot. Oh yeah. I felt that and I, like it made me quite emotional to Soul be tribe. reunited with mm -hmm. you guys again. Yeah. So this is just such an honor. So thanks again. But, um, for me, I, I more so, um, I realized that my psychic ability is quite vast. So if someone's working with me or I have a group of women working with me, at least half of them will have dreams where I visit them. So or I'm holding their children or I'm giving them hugs or whatever. So I realize I'm, I'm everywhere all the time and sort of in a way where I can get really tired if I don't call back my energy. So I really have to, and I really have been lately working on calling my energy back and taking 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 myself back. Otherwise, uh, I don't know, I feel like another presence in my body sometimes where it's not necessarily me. I feel sort of overtaken sometimes by something else. Like a walk-in? And so I'm getting, yep, walk-ins, yep. Oh, yeah. And those come in uh, when I'm doing energy work where I had one and he looked... He had a very angular face and he had this very tall headdress and he had these glowing white eyes. 
And he walked in and I was like, are you one of my guides? And he's like, doesn't matter. And walked back out. <laughs> Just like, know that up? I'm here. <laughs> what up? <laughs> like, What's yeah. up, son? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, learning how to, yeah, like be human is yeah. a practice now where I'm like, okay, I don't need to know right now. I just want to walk or not know about that person or what they're feeling. I just want to just be with me right now. So learning how to do that, it's, it's a practice for me. Yeah. And I imagine that's very integrated in with your, because you seem like you've always been a very empath- empathetic person, like very em- like an empath. Yeah. So you're able to absorb the energy around you. And I imagine like your psychic skills are very much worked into that. And that's something that me and Jen were also very empathetic people. There, there, there are a lot of synchronicities. I had a dream. I, I texted Jen yesterday. She was in my dream three times yesterday. Yeah. And it's <laughs> weird times. because he was in my dream as well. And I rarely dream of Eric. So, you know, uh, it was odd. It was odd really, to have Jen, him in my dream. Really? Really? You don't ever dream about me? You're in my <laughs> dream like five times. <laughs> But, but this happened to us last time because um, I, I don't astral project. I wish I could. I've tried, but I, I just don't. Um, but Eric does quite a bit. And um, he actually astral projected into one of my dreams. And I, you know, I was describing the house that we were in and where we were. And he was like, oh, my God, I was totally there. You know, and um, it was yeah. it was pretty cool that uh, that he was able to like we were able to connect on that side, even though I wasn't I don't think that I was like fully astral projected or maybe I was like, I don't know. But Some we were able do. to like hang out in, in the astral astral realm, which was cool. So, so here's wow. the thing. A lot of people do astral project, but they're not as, um, I guess, conscious of the process of leaving the body. Some people will just wake up in the sort of fourth dimension and not know how they got there. They can call it a lucid dream, but the actual practice of astral projecting, which is like, you know, you're, you're, in, you're embarking on some sort of process that deliberately takes you out into the space is a very different thing. And I, the same thing, Grace, like I go through the same thing. You can't do it too much because it's exhausting. Yeah. It can take a lot out of you. And you're subject to a lot of different types of energies in the astral realms. And you're yeah. also prone to psychic attack every now and again when you come across these, you know, sort of discarnate spirits. You got to be careful because it happens. Psychic attack. Yeah. Oh, Can I touch have... on that? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You must have had one recently because your face like lit up like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one that has stayed with me for a while. This happened last summer. I was in a house, uh, actually the house that I was staying at. And I was walking downstairs and Bill Clinton was sitting down. And he was flipping through a newspaper and he was very angry. He's flipping through. And I was like, excuse me, Bill, I just need to grab my shoes. Hillary's going to give me a lift. So I grabbed my shoes. Now I'm Canadian. Like I, I don't know. Anyway, so I go outside. Hillary pulls up in a cube van. I get in the van and I asked her, you know, to drive me to my friend's house. And so she starts to come on to me where she starts showing me her shoulder. She was like, do you like that? Do you like it? And I said to her, no, I don't. I don't like that. And her eyes flickered. And I said to her, what are you? And she said, I'm a lizard. And I I said, well, I said, well, I'm a snake. And I showed her that I could wrap around her and take her life. And basically was telling her, like, don't F with me. And so we pull up to this big building. I astral projected into the building and there was a stretcher with chains to hold my body down that she was going to take me into and i woke up very interesting i knew it i knew she was a fucking lizard you know how i know we had a starseed episode a little while ago and we didn't want to touch on the reptilian part but we did because we talked about arcturians we talked about pleiadians we talked about all those things but nobody likes to talk about okay this is how you know if you're a reptilian and last minute we were like okay we're just going to talk about it do you know how you know the one number one thing that you know if you're a reptilian Hmm. is that you're a punk ass (laughs) 
and that you suck. <laughs> so if you're any one of those two things interchangeably, then you're more than likely a reptilian. Oh, too funny. Well, as you were telling that story, like I was very, very connected to you. My, my scalp is tingling and I had like chills all over my body. Very, yeah. very and, interesting. And Jen, we talked about this on the podcast too. Remember I told okay. you about my dream where there were politicians that were trying yeah. to chase me down mm-hmm. and I kind of turned around and I showed them what's up. They were like, what's up? And I was like, what's up? And then they were like, what's up? And then we just like went to battle. When I and this is the thing with astral, the astral realm is that you have these multidimensional aliens that work in this realm too, along with different right. guides and things like that. They're a little bit yeah. easier to spot because in that realm, it's all sort of, um, sort of like a spiritual underpinning. So you can see who they are right away yeah. or at least get an idea of who they are. Mm. So I always, I always uh, saw that little twinkle in Hillary's eye and I was like, I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah. know about you, Hillary. I don't trust her. Yeah. So... <laughs> This is all really interesting things. This is almost just like taking a walk in the park for me and you, but how this pertains to your experience. So taking such a huge leap out of your comfort zone into a world that many maybe aren't familiar with, where you met with a lot of resistance, did you encounter conflicts with family or friends, kind of wondering what was going on with Grace? Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you went from Especially doing when... hair and then to, yeah. to doing what you're doing now. What does, that, what does that look like? Well, it started with... Um... Big part of my awakening happened after a mushroom trip where, uh, so I had these mushrooms from Nepal. I had about a tablespoon of them and everybody's higher self was presenting themselves to me and they all turned around. Every time I, I, I was actually out, which was really dumb. I went out and one by one, everybody would turn around and look at me. And so I started connecting all these different dots and how we're all connected and how all these different timelines are working together. And I looked at this one guy who looked like he was from the 50s, like the 1950s. And I thought, well, he is in that. He actually is present there right now in that timeline. And I saw all these different timelines happening at once. Right. And so I went home. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm about to take off. So I got I to gotta be home. So I go home and I started talking about how dementia isn't demented. It's dimension where the consciousness just leaves the body and then the body's left with all the programming and the memories that it has, and it just regurgitates what it knows. And then the consciousness comes back to the body, and that's why they say, oh, how long was I gone? Because they were literally gone. And so I was getting all these rapid downloads, quantum physics, things I didn't know before. And, well, I still don't totally know, but... <laughs> um, and then I was talking about how we can send ourselves messages from other realms from other dimensions. Our multi-dimensional self, our future self, can come back and say, hey, you need to do this or that. And so everybody was looking at me like I was a complete alien. So I went to bed and I was like, yeah, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm just high. So I went to bed. About 15 minutes later, this huge crash sound comes down. My friend's in bed and I thought maybe she got up to get a glass of water or something and knock something over. So I get up, her door's shut. I look out, and I turn on the light into my dining room, and there was this picture of my mother and my brother that flew off the wall and smashed into a million pieces. I was completely calm. I walked over, I picked up the picture. I looked at my partner then and my friend, and I said, I told you, we can send ourselves messages from other dimensions. And I said, my sister, or my, my mother and my brother I said, I'm energetically holding on to them in a space of worry and not love, and I'm holding them back. And I didn't know that until now. And so I sat there with the picture, and I pictured myself cutting the cord with my worry. 
and I replaced it with love. Their lives changed after that. Both of their lives changed. And I changed too because I realized how responsible I need to be with how I hold people energetically. And so I would talk of quantum physics and new ideas and, and aliens. And I'm like, well, I don't think the stars are actually stars. I think they're jocked ships. And I started talking like that just more openly. I'm like, well, I mean, how can you tell me that that's a star and then that's um, a satellite? They look the same. You know, and I start questioning everything very openly. And so my surrounding area, uh, or people, my partner at the time said, well, <laughs> I think you're schizophrenic and I think you're bipolar or something because I would just get these rapid downloads and then I would express them. I'd need to get them out. So yeah, it definitely changed and altered, you know, how people were holding me and they wanted me to be grace and they wanted me to be what I was. This this person that I used to be and then I was changing and I couldn't be that person that they wanted me to be anymore. So I think that that's... And that's interesting how that, that sort of speaks to a lot of people's sense of security. And it isn't even so much about you. People are so afraid of not knowing who somebody is. Yeah. They get so used to the dynamic of just who somebody is, especially if they grew up their entire life knowing grace a certain way. And you change and you alter that and be, you become something a little bit more, I guess, ephemeral and, and, and eternal. I think that drives in a lot of um, fear for a lot of people. And another thing that, that kind of came up for me is like how we attach definitions to pretty much everything. Because yeah. I've been that person where you look into the sky and you, you're just like, okay, is that really a star or is that just sort of a concept? You know, is that really a tree? Is that really a cloud? We have all these definitions for literally everything in our lives. Yeah. And we accept those because that's part of the sort of social conditioning that we're a part of. But, you know, you can probably vouch for this too, but once you start going into that sort of spiritual dimension, those labels start dropping away. And what you're left with is just this sort of like all-encompassing sort of energy of just spirit and source moving through everything. And so when you look at a table, when you look at a tree, you're not just looking at the sort of surface level interpretation of how you've grown up to look at those things. You're looking at God literally in everything, spirit in everything. And... That is something that is really difficult to get across to people that aren't as familiar with the spiritual realm. And in the end, you just have to remain true to your, your journey and your calling. And the one thing, and how it worked in my life, is I definitely was met with resistance. But what they see is, after a while, the love that is permeating from that sort of discovery in you. And you don't even have to tell them about aliens or ships in the sky or castles in the clouds. Like, you can just be you. And then they see that love, and then that's all, that's all that you really need, you know? That's right. I really love that you bring that up. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's interesting, and Eric and I have had this conversation many times about mental illness versus spiritual awakening and kind of what that looks like. And um, there are a lot of similarities, but for, uh, for me, the easiest way to tell the difference between a spiritual awakening and um, actual mental illness are, there's a few things. Um, so the most prominent thing is anytime you're having like a schizophrenic or bipolar type event, like a, a first break scenario, um, typically you'll become obsessed with celebrities or, um, or think that people are like celebrities are communicating with you in a certain way. Um, there's a, typically an, a, an obsession with numbers or thinking that you are God, but not like in a spiritual sense that like you're the savior 
right? So that's that's a really common theme in people who are schizophrenic is they believe that they are the savior. Uh, another thing that is, is pretty common too that is uh, interesting is that typically they can hear electricity. So um, they can hear electricity move through um, phone lines, they can hear Wi-Fi, that, that type of thing. And those, those are just a few examples of the difference between a spiritual awakening and, um, and somebody who is actually mentally ill. Because they all mm -hmm. kind of manifest with the same types of experiences. So is it, what is mental illness though? Like that's, is it just like your wires are crossed and you happen to be tapped into another dimension and um, it's confusing for you because you're in this dimension and you're also in other dimensions at the same time? Possibly, you know? So yeah. that's kind of the, the interesting thing about mental illness is we don't really know. We don't really know exactly what is happening in the brain whenever these people are experiencing these types of phenomenon. So yes. I just wanted to kind of comment on that because it's, it's uh, it's very common. It's very common uh, to have the same experience that you had, where your loved ones are like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Like, yeah. you're talking about aliens, and you're talking about shit you've never talked about before. You yeah. know, there must be something wrong with you. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I think the, I think the basis of it, from my experience, is love. You know, a lot of what you're talking about, as far as people yes. diagnosed with schizophrenia, they have this sort of savior complex where they are very polarizing. They separate themselves from the whole, and that automatically yes. disqualifies exactly. you in a way. So yes. they're, they're seeing themselves as God, not in the sort of eternal sense, as if we're all the same. They're we're seeing it as like they're literally they're the one God. and only God. Yeah. And that's the distinction that they make. And that's not the thing. Because you're talking to me like hearing electricity. I hear electricity, Jen. I hear electricity all the time. And all these sort of things. I mean, maybe, maybe schizophrenia is your resistance to those sort of gifts and those sort of perspectives, perspectives that you have. The resistance to that can make you crazy. The thing is accepting it in a grounded way with love and mm -hmm. learning to sort of work with those sort of, uh, those gifts and those, per those perspectives. Because I think those two, I don't think it's bad or it's good. I think it's just how you choose to use that energy. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is like the defining factor, right? It's not like we're all God and we're all connected and we're having this shared experience, right? Mm -hmm. It's um, whenever they're in that place, they are God. And, yeah. um, and oftentimes it, it's very hard. Like how do you argue with your own senses, like the senses that you've had your entire life. If you're seeing, hearing, smelling, experiencing, you know, these things, how can you, how can you tell if they're, if they're real or if they're not real? So, um, it's, it's not love. uncommon for people to lack insight into their disease because they don't, I mean, they're experiencing these things, you know? So how do you argue with that? Just a love, I think is the basis of all of those things. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You just got to find the love there. You got to find the light there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So bringing it back to um, your journey, um, Grace, I'm really happy that we're talking about this because it's a subject that me and Jen are definitely passionate about, this sort of psychic realm, because we've been getting it our entire lives. You know, people can say that we have just have really crazy imaginations, which is true. But I think a part of really embodying source energy is to embody the inner child, just like you talked about with your work. Mm -hmm. And the inner child is what? It is innocence. It is that playfulness that we tend to lose as we get older. And that's something that you're helping these women sort of awaken to, right? Mm. The inner child. So yeah. can you talk about what it means to be a divine feminine woman? Mm. I feel like that's something I'm learning every day. That's a good answer, though. Yeah, you know, to be in my divinity is to honor my own within me and not being separate from her you know, 
I think you provided a really good example earlier whenever you were talking about your client and, you know, her experiencing that feeling of looking at another woman, right? And mm. having those feelings of um, of jealousy and mistrust yeah. and, you know, you know, what is this woman doing, you know? Um, yeah. So I thought that that was a really interesting example. I don't, um, I don't operate from, from that place. I never really have. I've always, uh, always ha had really good relationships with women, I think, overall. So I, I'm just wondering where that comes from. Where, where does that come from where, where women automatically uh, feel so threatened and um, so jealous of another woman? Hmm. Well, I think it's, you know, experiences when we're little girls, you know, at school. You know, you're walking up to your crew, and they're like, oh, we're not talking to you today. You can't sit here. You can't yeah. sit with us. The mean girl shit, yeah. Yeah, and I think we all kind of experienced that, you know. You know, in the sisterhood wound, it's Rise, Sister Rise. Rebecca Campbell talks about this in her book. And she talks about, couldn't. it's not necessarily from this lifetime. It's, you know, the times of Salem, when we had to out each other for being divine, for being intuitive naturally. You know, we were outcasted as witches and they'd come to your house and say, we know that you know another witch and we're either gonna slaughter you and your entire family, you're gonna tell us where she is. And so we had to, for our own safety. And so a lot of this, what feels like for me, it doesn't necessarily feel totally from this lifetime because, you know, like you, Jen, like. I've had female relationships my whole life and, and good ones. And now I have a whole tribe of women. But sometimes, you know, you can feel them step in with a little bit of fear. Like, are you going to out me in this life for being weird? Mm -hmm. If I say this weird thing, are you going to, are you going to screw me over? And so I think it's also uniting in a space, a sacred circle, bringing it back to the circle and reminding each other that we're all safe now, you know, that. We can all hold each other, you know, I think divinity and, and the feminine for me and where I, I reside most of the time is in the mother energy and being, you know, holding another woman and, and cradling her and telling her that she's safe and it's okay. For me, that's like, I guess the divine feminine is playing out that role yeah. and nurturing. Yeah. And I love that because it totally makes sense. And that's a very different dynamic, unfortunately, to how things are right now because of, there is a lot of competition. It's almost seemed like the sort of toxic masculine aspects of our culture have, ble have bled into uh, the way women sort of carry themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that led to women embodying more of their masculinity and mm -hmm. the toxic piece of that, which is, you know, very, very, being very competitive, just being very polarizing. This is something that I've had to deal with as well. And this is one thing I want to make really, really clear about, and you can kind of verify this too, Grace is that when we talk about divine masculine, divine feminine, we aren't just one or the other of these things. I mean, we can be, but when it comes to men, for example, they just think that, okay, well, what is a divine masculine man? I should just be that. Well, divine masculine man doesn't necessarily mean just being a masculine man. It means embodying what Carl Jung talks about, the animas and the anima, the yin and the yang. We both have these masculine feminine aspects and something I had to learn because I traditionally had a lot of feminine energy, and that was because I grew up around a lot of women growing up. So I had difficulty with connecting with men. So I had to learn to embody and, and reach out to that masculine side of myself, which was that, that, that stronger side, and not be as, you know, maybe emotional, or mm -hmm. just sort of let my air sign sort of take me. 
And I think Jen was very, very similar. And this is the reason why I think me and Jen have a really interesting dynamic is she's sort of like the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I'm the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've always been way too much in my masculine. And that came from, um, you know, a lot of trauma as a child and having to grow up early and, you know, care for myself and not having parents to care for me. Um, so, you know, that ambition and that drive to, you know, um, to achieve and accomplish has been really, uh, it's been a struggle for me to embody like more feminine energy. And um, every time I have a psychic reading, I always receive the same message and the same message is you need to do better about um, uh, getting in touch with your feminine energy. Um, and that's something that is a constant struggle and something I always have to work on. It's interesting you bring that up because um, in our masculine energy, it has a sword up, right? It's protecting something and it's protecting the feminine because it believes that it's weak. And so I noticed that in myself where again to my masculine and I'm like, swords up, I'm ready to go. Like, let's, let's get in it. And then when I realize that my sword's up energetically, again to my feminine, I say, we're not protecting something that's, that's defenseless anymore. You can put your sword down. Let's put our sword down. It's okay. And I let that sort of my feminine softness and, and nurturing to come in and heal him within me. And I, I think similar to you, like being imprinted by a masculine, by our fathers that are not in their divine masculine. I mean, some of us have experienced that. Uh, my inner masculine was very wounded and I'm realizing the woundedness in my masculinity I think more every day where it's ready to fight. It sexualizes women. Yeah, it's it's very much in the way that I, I didn't have that divine masculine energy to sort of support that side in me. Letting my feminine energy come in and say, it's okay, like we don't have to, we're not at war anymore. Let's bring this together, let's hold hands. We're safe now. And so it's just reminding my inner masculine that it's safe, I guess. So what are some, some things in your, and I don't want to give away your secrets um, because I know that this is also your business. Um, what are just some tips that you could share with our audience on how to embody um, and how to heal um, your divine masculine and your divine feminine? Mm. Singing for me and creating something, deliberately creating something is like really important for me to do to get into my flow. And then in my masculinity, it's really strengthening my integrity. So my integrity with my word, especially, is something I'm really working on. Because I, I, I don't know if you experienced this, but you can like make plans and then it's like, oh, I'm not really feeling it. And I don't know, women kind of can do that a little bit. I really sort of get into my masculine and say like, okay, this is your word. You said you're going to do this. I'm going to create a container for doing this thing. And I'm going to let my feminine flow into that space. So yeah, like in practices, I, I feel like um, in my feminine, it's like, singing and dancing and moving my body and uh, creating and tapping into my inner joy just because um, and in my masculinity again is strengthening my word my integrity <laughs> yeah, that's really beautiful and I, I i definitely support that and what i what i hear from a lot of this is, is drawing into my experience with men's groups uh, a lot of it is about that feeling of safety of other men holding space for you and that's a really big thing, especially for masculine men, because I had been taught that men shouldn't have emotions, they shouldn't feel right away. I felt cast out because I have lots of those. 
I have all the feels. I experienced a lot of difficulty in that. So when you go into a men's group and you're with all these men, the, the, the first reaction that the ego has is like to protect yourself. These guys will judge you for having feelings. But the one thing that I found out really, really early on in my uh, journey in men's groups is that they were holding space for me. They allowed me to access that masculine inside of me. And they all had very similar struggles. And, and that's a part of it that makes me realize that this is a part of the conditioning. We're all raised within this sort of Western system of toxic sort of masculinity. And we need to sort of unfuck our minds mm. out of this. And then realizing that you're with a bunch of guys or a bunch of men, really powerful men that share the same sort of struggles and traumas and insecurities that you do is a very beautiful thing. And to experience the emotions and the feelings that they've always had but been too, share, too, too afraid to share come through is a really powerful thing. And that is us embodying our divine ma- feminine, feminine selves. And of course, me, my divine masculinity and kind of working on collaboration with those two things. But I, I, I think what I feel from what you're saying is it's just about that feeling of safety and security and acceptance, but also being authentic and true to yourself, which is dealing with feelings that have to do with being feminine and masculine topics, themes, you know? Mm. Yeah. So one thing that I did want to bring up, you talk very openly about your relationship with your partner, Alexander. And I think this is really inspiring to me, really inspiring to me because we need more couples that are like this. He sort of represents, as far as what I've gathered, this sort of divine masculine element of the work that you do, right? You Mm. guys are kind of two sides of the same coin, which is really awesome. You You two sort of represent this full embodiment of the masculine and female, which is a really beautiful thing to having sort of like living, breathing examples of that and what that divine union really looks like. From your perspective, what does devotion to a partner mean to you? What defines a sacred partnership in your relation to him? Mm. The more devoted I am to myself, the more devoted I am to him, really though. In our relationship, before we met, we were praying for each other. I was married, he was in a five and a half year long relationship. I just had this belief that my counterpart, that my twin flame existed, and I I felt them my entire life, and I knew that they were there. And so because we went, we both had to go through these sort of hard relationships, and the way that we hold each other now is in complete reverence and honesty. And so we work on that every week. Every Friday we have a relationship check-in, and we have a talking stick, and we say, you know, this is what made me feel loved this week, you know? And then he says what made him feel loved. And, you know, what is it that I can do for you this week? You know, what can I do for you? And was there any friction for you this week? And it's bringing up the hardship. And in a way of like, you know, this made, this triggered me. I'm not saying you triggered me, but in this circumstance, I felt triggered because we're so intimate as far as our past experiences and where we felt abandoned and our childhoods and we know where our pain points are because we've expressed these things very deeply. We can understand where these things would spike in each other. And so just creating like a very open and honest dialogue and having the hard conversations that sometimes take two hours and it's seeking to understand and it's seeking just to listen and not be right And so the more that we step into not needing to be right, the more space there is to really understand the inner workings of what's really going on, you know? It's not really about the dishes. 
it's not really about any of those things. It's, you know, oh, there was something that happened last week and I felt abandoned. And then going deeper into myself, well, did you abandon yourself, Grace? Oh, shit, I abandoned myself again. <laughs> yeah, you know, we do a lot of uh, lists and talks about relationships on this podcast. And in every list, communication is always like, always at the top of the list, right? And um, it's my belief over all of the things that I've read and all the relationships that I've been in that it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And whenever you said, uh, reflecting on the past week, oh, was there any points that you felt friction? I think that that's such a nice way to say, like, at what point were you pissed off? You know, yeah. like, and when you say it like that, it sounds much more aggressive um, than uh, at what point last week did you feel friction, right? And it's saying the same thing, just in a different way. Yeah. More and effective it, communication. It, totally. Yeah. And we don't call it fighting. We call it growth session. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about what you're, what you're talking about, and I think a large misconception people have about sacred partnerships is that at some point they find themselves in the perfection of a relationship and they think that you're just not going to experience anything difficult, right? You have two awakened souls just sort of like working together. That should just look perfect all the time. But to me, I don't think a, a sacred partnership really means that. And you define that and you validated that. It's not no, so much about being perfect because things aren't perfect. No. Things, are, things can sometimes go very wrong because we're still human beings. And we learn a lot from the mistakes that we make. And that, that's the thing. It's just about authenticity, right? You guys are being honest with each other. And that is the one thing, at least from my experience, that I've gathered from my sacred partnerships that I've had is it's about how you move through really difficult situations together because that shadow will come up and being authentic to your feelings in those moments is a really empowering thing but it seems to be very dangerous for people because most people are afraid to go mm. into that realm and they're like oh and they meet, meet that whole thing with resistance and there's no you know surprise that they disconnect mm. but that's a really I think important thing for people to understand is it's about like being authentic to when you're pissed off and having a comfortable and healthy way of communicating your needs so that you all can sort of learn from each other, you know? Yeah. And, and attending to your own needs first. When I get into a rhythm of overgiving and I'm not receiving, it throws off the balance in my relationship. And so it's just learning how to check yourself like, man, I'm not receiving and I, and I know I struggle with that. So where do I need to receive? Where do I need to nourish myself right now? And so because both of I were uh, both sorry, both of us work from home, we schedule in alone time. Like, Kate, this is oh, he's got it in right there. I'm just gonna let him do his thing and I'm gonna go be me. I'm gonna go be Grace. And so him taking himself out on a date and me taking myself out on a date and just filling our own cups, for me it's like driving in my car and listening to my favorite music and connecting with myself and that's usually where I get lots of downloads you know or going to an open field with a little bit of cannabis I know that I need that to fill myself up you know and so it's just paying attention to those things too you know you're not falling into like this routine of same same all the time too it's like Sunday you know usually it's our family day but it's like today he's gonna go to take a, you know, a gram of mushrooms with his best friend in the woods. He needs to do that. I honor that, you know? And I need to go take a shower and have a piece of pizza. I, I don't know, right? It's just like honoring what we need right now. 
and respecting our partners and what they need, you know? And I'll check myself where it's like, <laughs> and I don't know, Jen, if you experience this, <laughs> but I'm like, he's been in the washroom for like 30 minutes. Yes. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing in and there? And then another, what are you doing for a half hour? <laughs> and then the other side of me goes, leave him the fuck alone. It's not your business. Yeah, it, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and so true. And most of the time he's just in there, uh, you know, reading on his phone or watching sports. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but, you know, if that's, if that's the time he needs and that's what he wants to do, then great, you know? I mean, yeah. Uh, Men have their ways. They have their ways of, of their ways. taking Just their own being. space, you know. And, and, and respecting our, our, our partner's privacy. Like, we're very intimate and we know everything about each other, but there are other things that we don't need to know all the time. You know, and respecting that we deserve that privacy. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up something that I think is really important for a lot of our listeners. Um, the Just looking at our demographics, the majority of our listeners are women. And I think that this is an issue that women really struggle with is um, constantly giving, right? And not allowing the time to receive, mostly because they're taking care of the children, taking care of the husband, you know, doing, um, being in that, in that woman and mother role. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very easy to lose sight of you, right? So anytime you're in a relationship with anyone, there has to be your relationship with yourself, their relationship with their self, and then your relationship together. And if you don't have that, the relationship never works. It, right. it can never be one-sided when one person is always doing the giving and the other person is always receiving. And then we get used to that exchange. You know, We set the precedence as women, right? Because I think in a lot of ways, we wanna be the perfect girl for them. So we'll do all the things Mm -hmm. that we know that they love and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm like no I'm great I'm I just love to give to you all the time right and then they're like this is great you know she's just amazing all the time and you know and then until that shit gets old until it gets old <laughs> and then you need some help yeah that's right and then I need some help and then you know we don't actually voice it a lot of the times we struggle with that you know I can like clink some dishes around and he's like why don't you put that down and I'm going to do that because you're not saying what it is that you need to say. It's not really about the dishes, Grace, right now. Right now you're pissed off because you would you want my help and you're not saying it. Right. And being able to call each other out like that, like, yeah. Yeah, I've fallen into, you know, doing everything again because I'm not feeling adequate in my life right now. And so I'm overdoing it and I need to just sit my ass down and I need to let you make me dinner. And I need to let go of control over how you're going to cook it. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really beautiful. The really beautiful thing about what you're talking about is like when I think of that sacred partnership, it reminds me of kind of like what Marion Williamson talks about, which is like if you're two people that see the highest aspect of each other based off of love, then you'll be like just these mirrors always shining back the greatest parts, but also the, the shadowy parts of each other. You're holding each other accountable to where they love and where they don't. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that's that radical accountability is so important. And that's something that some people don't practice because they're afraid to communicate their feelings out of fear of being hurt. They feel like they're going to be judged. So that develops into a sort of passive aggressive sort of uh, behavior, which may, we may fall into every now and again because we're human beings. But practicing that radical accountability, holding your partner accountable to, are you embodying your true authentic self is such a powerful thing. 
and it may not always be comfortable, but it's necessary. You know, so the fact that you guys have this, your ability to communicate that to each other, is a really powerful thing because you're always holding each other to this, this highest regard. You're, you're, you're holding him up to this warrior that he really is and in him to the goddess that you really are. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Thank you. And, and, and to bring up that point too, because my wounded masculine will assume things of the masculine that are old stories, old loops. And so when I realized that I was holding him underneath that or holding him to the, my woundedness and thinking, I just assuming that he was going to do things in the way that my woundedness would do and becoming aware to that, being conscious of where am I holding my partner? Am I holding them in reverence to their highest? Do I, am I instilling that energy into them? You know, when I say, well, he's probably going to, and I go, no, revert, revert, check yourself, hold him to the highest, pray for the highest, holding ourselves there and our partners instead of the assumption, burn your assumptions. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's a great read message. A, really, a quote from your IG really quick. It says, inhale the emotions, exhale with love. Mm-hmm. We are being called to acknowledge the wound, understand where they are residing, breathe into it with love and forgiveness. This is how we alleviate ourselves from the weight of our past and the worries of our future. This is how we'll reconnect and remember that we are all one. Sincerely, Grace Ohm. You know, it's funny, you're reading that quote and it makes me think of that um, Jay Shetty video you sent to me earlier. So is that a Grace original? Yeah. yeah that's a Grace original? So, I love sometimes it. I'll just channel something. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta write this. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is good. This, I got that kind some of, good shit coming through. This <laughs> to what, and this speaks to what she's talking about, which is like we have all these wounds that we're carrying along with us. And when you find somebody that is able to illuminate where those wounds are and instead of judging you for having them, help heal those with you, you know, by holding space. And I imagine that's probably what you do in your space with your sisters. You're teaching them the art of holding space amongst these females. And that's a very powerful thing. You know, I'm excited for your journey um, into Mexico. So whenever you start doing your circles, we're going to keep in touch and I'm going to bring my, my real life sister and we're going to come visit you. Because I, think, I you. think both of us could really benefit from that. I got so many goosebumps down my back. You know, the one thing that I really appreciate about you, Grace, is that um, we've watched um, all your videos on IG, you know, because we want to get a vibe for um, kind of your work, but you're just a very authentic person. When you're pissed off or you're angry, you're just like, hey, I'm angry, I'm pissed off. And you're very open and authentic about it. And that's just really special and that's very unique. At the same time, when you're embodying your divine feminine energy, you can definitely feel that. And that's very inspiring. And people need to understand that, that authenticity is so important which is like embodying both your light and your dark when they come up and addressing them and learning from them. So right. it's a really beautiful thing that you're able to share that with your sisters. Bless, thank you. Yeah, may, I, may I share one journey with you? Of course. So I, I just am receiving so much from you guys and it keeps making me emotional, so excuse me. So we did a mushroom journey. <laughs> And in this ceremony, my intention was to learn or understand why I'm not in my body and how I can be more in my body. The mushroom said, okay, let's show you why you're afraid to be in here. So it started off with the dark feminine. Kali's energy came in and all these demon faces came in. And I went into a room and I shut the door, total darkness. And I was inundated with these dark energies, these dark faces. And I just said, I, I hold the light. I call in the light. Where's Mother Mary? And they said, Mary's not here. And I was like, no, I believe in the light. I believe in the light. I call in the light. And more demon faces. Kali's energy. 
dark feminine. Hold the light, hold the light, where's Mary? We said, Mary's not here. So I thought, okay, what am I gonna do with this? I'm terrified. So I looked at the demon in the face and I said, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. Another one would come in. How about this one? I told you, I'm not afraid of you. And they start to dissipate. And then it turned into these like bizarre clowns, sort of demonic clowns. And one particular clown that has visited me before in my subconscious that came up and flipped me off. <laughs> I started to laugh. I was like, okay, if that's what you need to do. Like, this is so weird. So I started looking at them like, I'm not afraid of you guys. Like, this is a joke. So they start to dissipate. And so my masculine energy called me forward. And in that masculine energy, it was my grandfather, uh, my Sicilian grandfather, who in our family we've demonized because he was a very abrasive, abusive man. And these are the only stories I know of him and I never got to meet him. And so he came forward and he said, do you know the story of Maleficent? And I was like, yeah. And they showed me. She was this beautiful little angel, fairy girl. And then this person comes in and cuts her wings off and she goes dark. And they said, how was the dark feminine energy cultivated? Do you see how it was cultivated, Grace? And I said, yes. Did you understand the story? And I said, yes. And he said, look at my darkness and understand that it was cultivated. He said, part of the reason why you're so afraid to be in your body is because you're afraid of your masculine energy and the power that it holds because you associate it with abuse. And he said, understand that all of our darkness is cultivated from something, but it's, it's for us. And so I said, okay. And he said, hold me to the light, Grace. Hold me there, because it's also you. I said, okay. So I called in my grandfather's energy, and I said, she's like, show me how I can hold this strength in me. And all I saw was this little hairy fist, this little tiny Sicilian fist. And he showed me his strength, and he said to me, he said, I know, like, I was crazy, and I was. I was crazy, but I understand that that was cultivated from something to survive. He said, but also know that I had a deep strength in survival and that is also within you. So when you feel afraid, don't abandon your body. Come back to the strength that is you, that is us, that is me. Remember. And so I just felt the need to bring this story up because if we don't acknowledge how our darkness was cultivated and we don't understand the story and we can't hold it, then we're always going to be afraid of it and we'll be afraid to be in our bodies because we're afraid of our own darkness. But it's a part of our strength and it's a part of the beauty of being in the human experience is really looking at our grittiness, our dirtiness and saying like, oh, I love my dirty parts. I love the grit of me and I love my darkness and I know it can kill. I know I have the ability to go that dark. So does every other human being in the world. Don't be afraid of that understand where it was cultivated and why it was there for survival. So, I don't know, I just felt like we need to just remember that our dark is the key. Our dark is the key and understanding it and loving it, loving it and cherishing it. And that's, that's really beautiful because that is a living example of how source works. It is both of those things, yeah. right? Like God, source energy is a wild energy. It is just as much beautiful as it is fucking crazy. There's a beauty to the immensity of that because you have to respect it. 
in that maybe that's learning how to respect your own feelings and, and your own authenticity and learning to collaborate with that shadow inside of you because it's been the greatest teacher for me. But it's the crazy thing because you're grown up not really understanding that the solution to most of your issues are in the pain and the solution to you know your salvation where your salvation lies is in most people's fear of death more most people's shadow that's the last place that people typically look until you finally develop enough courage to look in there and then all of a sudden you're in there and you're like whoa this is it this is very this is just as much me as it is anything else so realizing that you are your light as well as your shadow is such an empowering thing because i think when you get to that understanding then that's when you awaken to god like yourself like i am this force moving through life and then that reverence comes and that respect comes and all of a sudden you're like wow you're you're not just this poor little thing alone and afraid in the world you realize that you are just as much as a creator as god and the responsibility comes and that responsibility to do the the things that you um, do with it comes and that's it's a really humbling experience you know yeah yeah i totally agree well, Grace, it has been such a pleasure having you on and, you know, taking this journey with you and hearing about all of your experiences. So if there's um, uh, one thing that you wanted to leave with our listeners, um, what would that be? And I know this is a really hard question and it doesn't have to be one thing specifically, but. And it inspired me to ask a second question too after this one, Jen. Okay. I, I got to put it in there. So I'm just thinking about like, you know, there's this other side of me that's playing out right now that's like. I didn't answer these questions totally right. And like, I kind of went all over the place and then there's like this inner judgment that's going on right now, you know? And then there's this other side that's like, yeah, but so what? Who the fuck cares? You know? Exactly. We go through that all the time. All the right? time. Yeah. We'll listen to a podcast. We're like, shit, we should have said this and we should have said that. That's totally normal, you know, but um, you, you have know, to we- believe that that spirit guided you to the place to say the things that you said for a reason, because someone needed to hear that. And right. we look at each other and we were like, who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? Like, <laughs> who cares? We're, I'm a divine nobody. Who cares? No one cares. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, you know, a, a space I would say is like, number one, truth is felt in the body. Trust your truth. Trust your body. Trust what it, what it knows and trust the, the capability and trust the, the voice that says, keep going. Or turn left or turn right. Or you got to move to Mexico or you got to move here or there. Trust that. Or you just got to take some mushrooms. Yeah, take some mushrooms. Or ketamine or LSD. Long list. Um, Yeah, it's funny. You know, you're bringing up your move as well. And I was um, called to move to California. And uh, everyone thought I was crazy because I had been at my job like six years and was doing really well and owned owned my own home. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, oh, I'm moving to California. I put my house up for sale and moved and didn't know anyone. Um, but had I not done that, I wouldn't have met Eric. I wouldn't have met my husband. And my life like drastically changed after moving to California. I was drinking less. I was eating healthier. I was like, you know, um, that's what put me on my like true path of awakening was um, actually actually taking that leap of faith and like following my inner voice. So um, anytime you feel called to move, just remember you're not a tree. So you can go anywhere. <sighs> love that so quote you use this other quote that i wanted to bring up i like your quotes grace so i'm going to bring up at least a couple of them within the next few minutes or so one of them i just wanted to get your perspective on and it says heaven resides here on earth when i have mental clarity i am in heaven what do you think it means for somebody to embody 
heaven? What, what, what is heaven to you? Heaven to me, I don't know why this makes me emotional. Heaven to me is, um, I've been practice, practicing this in meditation, and I heard, be here right now. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. How do I do that? And they said, well, you're so focused on moving to Mexico that you're, you're focusing all your energy there, but you're here in Kelowna. And they said, be with the sounds of Kelowna. I said, okay. And I heard this person walking. And they said, be with the footsteps. Okay. And I heard the house rattling. Be with the rattling of the house. Be with the airplane that's here right now. And so there wasn't another voice other than be with that. It's okay to be with this sound and that sound. Be with it. And the more I sat with it and the more I was with it, the other voices and the loops turned off. And all of a sudden I was this channel of like, this feels like Christmas. This, that whatever this is, and I'm just sitting on a pillow outside on the concrete and I'm here with the, the noises of Kelowna right now. I'm in heaven because I'm here. You know, somebody once asked um, uh, Sri Muji Baba, who's a, a teacher that I, I really, really follow, Muji, you've probably heard of him. And he asked him, he's like, how do you know when something is divinely inspired by God? And he says, you know it's God because it's beautiful. It sounds like poetry, right? And that stuck with me because it's totally true. The way that you explain your story and the way that you convey your message is beautiful. It sounds like poetry because it is divinely inspired by love. And love isn't as much a definition as it is a current of energy. It is a flow that permeates through vibration and it permeates through words. And so the most difficult aspect of being a teacher is trying to accurately convey love through words. And the best way that you can do it is through things like poetry or the best way that we can. But all I know is that when love is divinely, it is moving and guiding through you, your words start to sound like poetry and they sound beautiful. And that's what came up for me when you were saying that because you have this way of explaining your journey in a very beautiful way. Not in a typical way, but in a beautiful way. So that's how I feel that God is there. Blessed, thank you. Yeah, that's agreed. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. We have a few things um, that we wanted to kind of uh, depart with our listeners, which is where they can find you. So she is at, her URL is at Conscious Queendom and uh, you can find her on IG. She is doing her um, ceremonies. If you have any of them coming up and you want to kind of just mention them, I'm, I'm guessing this is something that people can also participate online. Yes, so I have a women's circle. Uh, this one will be in the new moon, August 6th, and you can just reach out to me and I'll add you to the list. And It's, a, it's just online for right now. Um, and then in Mexico, I will be hosting another summit um, a three or four day summit and you can just reach out to me anytime you need to talk or send a voice note i love to hear your voice and um i'd love to connect with you and um if you want to work together we can discuss that if you just want to just share your feelings i'm here for all of it so puerto vallarta is where the next conscious queendom summit will be my partner and i also have We've been working on Conscious Kings and Queens, and so we'll be hosting summits as well for that. 
Um, there isn't dates for the Conscious Queendom Summit yet, but I will put it on blast. It'll be out there uh, for you to sign up. Beautiful. Thank and you. Part the listeners with one more last quote, which I think embodies the work, as she says, and I love these. I'm, I apologize. I'm bringing up all this stuff, but it's coming from hygiene. It's very powerful. It needs to be shared. She says, we are here to stand in as women. We want to be around. Check our shit at the door. Hold each other. Forgive each other. Remember ourselves, our divine soft power. United we stand. Conscious Queendom is here for you and for her. Grace is there for all those beautiful women out there. And hopefully we can kind of maybe get in contact with Alexander, get the uh, sort of masculine aspect of that into the podcast. Would love to speak to him. Love so, that. Thank you guys for tuning in to Buy Nobody's Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you do, like and subscribe to all the things. You can leave a review. It really, really helps us out. You could also reach out to us on IG at Divine Nobody's Podcast. Go to our website, divine-nobodies.com, if you want to um, listen to the episode outside of the typical online platforms. You can reach out to us um, through the website as well. You can also find our uh videos on YouTube. If you guys want to watch the video aspect of these, we'll be posting some clips of Grace in the weeks to come. And uh, thank you guys all for joining us. Thank you so much, Grace. I love you guys. Thank you. Yes, and we'll, we'll definitely connect with you soon. Yeah. Love your energy. Yeah. And if I ever end up writing a book, I'm going to hire you to narrate it and do the the voice, voiceover for wow. the book. She just <laughs> has such a great do that. Uh, she does a narrating voice. voice, you know what I mean? Very audio, very audio voice. All right. Thank you guys. Namaste, friends. Namaste. Namaste. Bye.